We talk money on Making Money. Ron Hebert, the financial coach, joins us now. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron worked in the investment business for 40 years as a portfolio manager. Uh, he's now retired. Uh, you've seen a couple of bull markets in oil, as have I, having lived in Alberta for, well, almost 40 years, I guess, uh, or more than 40 now that I think about it. And oil is, is right now is not in favor in a lot of people's eyes, but yet there are people who say, well, we just can't get by without it. So the question was asked, will we ever see another bull market in oil? Well, let's start off by talking about how hard oil prices are to predict, Gordon. And many smart people try, but few, if any, that I know of are consistently accurate. And there's two problems. The first one is government. Much of global production comes from places that are inherently unstable, not only economically, but religiously and politically. And another issue is just the precariousness of supply and demand. It only takes a slight change in one or the other to send prices through the roof or through the floor. So a combination of these two forces makes energy price forecasting a very, very tricky thing to do, and it leaves you embarrassed more often than not. So it's like if OPEC decides to cut production, as an example, boom, prices go through the roof, right? Yep. So we, uh, yeah, how do you play that game? Nobody knows what they're thinking. And, and we look here in Canada. I mean, we have had... We've lagged behind the world in pricing for our our energy, and we'd like to export more of it, but we keep getting roadblocks put up that we can't do it. So Yeah, and the, all the roadblocks mean that many people have decided that they're going to stay away from energy. I mean, we have a lack of pipeline access. You have ESG funds actively choosing not to support the sector. You've got the taxation of greenhouse gases. You've got government mandates requiring the development of renewable energy. And then you just have literally the restriction of drilling location availability. Government's taking huge swaths of land away from um, companies, you know, especially public land and saying, well, you just can't, uh, you can't lease it, you can't drill on it anymore. So, yeah, there are uh, lots of fundamental reasons that people should be concerned about oil and gas, but there's also some very, very positive reasons why you want to focus on oil and gas. And, and for example, I think we're going to have another bull market in oil for a number of major reasons. Okay, let's talk about some of those reasons. The cost of conversion to renewables. Boy, can you go on about this one. Uh, and, and renewables, we think of, I think, primarily wind, solar, I guess to a lesser extent, nuclear, correct? Yeah, and over the last couple of years, follow the math with me here, we've spent $4 trillion globally over the last couple of years moving the renewable dial from 3% of, of uh, total energy production to 7%. So my math tells me for every 1% move in renewables, it costs you a trillion. So to get to 100% renewables is going to cost you 93 trillion more dollars to get all the way. Now that is more than twice the annual total goods and services produced in China, Japan, Germany, the UK, and India combined. And these are conservative estimates. I saw a Morgan Stanley estimate about three weeks ago that says it's more likely, by the time you include inflation numbers, that it's going to be closer to 140 to 150 
trillion dollars to convert. And where are we going to get all that money? It's with a T, friends. Yeah, yeah, it's not a B, it's a T. So can we hit zero carbon emissions by 2050 or 60 or even 70? Well, those are staggering numbers. I mean, we're putting a trillion here, a trillion there. We're moving in that direction. But, you know, when uh, our current government says that uh, we're going to be energy neutral by 2035, well, I don't think so. Pie in the sky. I, I, well, that's my opinion. I, maybe I'm entitled to my opinion. Not many would agree with me. A lot do. So there yeah. you go. So, you know, uh, countries and, and administrators and government officials just have to get, get a, a dose of reality on this stuff. I mean, we are moving in the right direction, and we're moving aggressively in the right direction. We're spending trillions on this stuff. But it takes time. You can't turn a big ship around when you've got to spend as much money as most countries, com- you know, the top seven or eight countries combined. Uh, generated a year. Generating a year. You can't, you, you just can't spend every dime you that uh, everybody makes on renewables. So we're moving in the right direction, but you just have to be realistic on the time frame, which means that oil and gas isn't going to disappear nearly as fast as most people think. Okay, bottlenecks in converting to renewables. Well, the sale of electric vehicles is starting to gain traction, but and that has led to, of course, um, increase in renewable energy, increases in batteries, but most people haven't done the math. For every dollar you spend on renewable infrastructure and batteries, you've got to spend $4 on the grid. And the grid is things like transformers, transmission lines, and charging stations. And so we're focused on one side, and we're completely ignoring the other side. And if you ignore the grid, well, you're just, you doesn't matter how many electric cars you build, you're not going to be able to have the infrastructure to charge them. Won't be able to turn on your lights, friends, or your furnace won't <laughs> run in the cold. You know, I, and I, I made the comment to my wife recently. I'm a big golf fan. I watch golf on TV. I was watching one Sunday a few weeks back. Every car commercial, every car commercial from about six different manufacturers was for electric vehicles. And I said to her, you know, if people are, are swallowing this and they're going to they're gonna follow along that path, we're in, a, we're in a mess of trouble, I think, anyway, because we don't have the power to, to charge these things, right? We, we just don't have the infrastructure, and we're not spending the money on the infrastructure. We're spending it on the other side, and you've got to have a balance. And like I say, I mean, that number is debatable among academics, but uh, you, you throw the number out, $1 for renewable development for $4 worth of grid development, that seems to be people nod their head and say, yeah, that sounds like a reasonable number. And if it, even if it's 3 to 1 or 5 to 1, it just simply means that we've got to be focusing on the other side of the equation as well, which we're not. And that'll just simply mean that we cannot get anywhere near the numbers that everybody talks about at the rate of speed that they think it'll happen, which means oil and gas is going to be around for a while. And I, that, that sort of leads back and doubles back to what you mentioned earlier, the lack of appreciation of how big the oil market is. You know, last year we consumed $29.5 billion, and that's with a B globally. And just the dollar value of that production was $2.1 trillion dollars. And, you know, just to put that in perspective, if you take the 10 top metals 
consumed globally last year and, and combined their totals, it would be less than half the numbers rung up by just oil itself. We're not talking natural gas. We're just talking oil. So this is a massive market, and you just can't displace it by uh, spreading pixie dust or waving your magic wand. That just doesn't work. So the reality is that this is a huge market that is slowly being replaced. You know, I'm not the guy that is the conspiracy guy that's uh, that's thinking this isn't going to ever happen. It is going to happen. But it just, you look at the numbers and mathematically, you can't displace oil and gas as fast as everybody thinks you can, which means that are we going to have another bull market? Probably a couple more, probably in uh, maybe a, a whole bunch more bull markets. The market is not done for oil and gas yet at all. But you touched on governments saying, okay, you can't, you can't lease this land anymore, you can't drill there, but there's a problem of where they can go to produce, right? So that we look at what's already producing, we think, of course, of the oil sands in, in northern Alberta. We think of wells that are being repatriated, if you will. They're new technology. They're getting more out of them than ever before. Is that what we're looking at? Well, the problem is that we're taking oil and gas production out faster than we're replacing it with renewable energy. And you can't do that. It, number one, it means prices go up. And we're looking at the rate things are going. Uh, some of the best numbers I've seen recently say that we're, we're looking at a shortfall of 4 million barrels a day over the next five to seven years. And that's more than the, the, the reserves. You know, Saudi Arabia has always been looked at as a swing producer where they always have half a million or a million barrels they can bring on stream. But one of the reasons OPEC has not been able to to produce a lot more, even though they say they've got a lot more reserves, is they always used to cheat. Well, I think they're producing flat out, and that's the a lot of people hold that opinion. So, if they can't produce anymore, if we're just having and we're not putting enough money into into drilling, you know, a four million barrel a day shortfall in the next five to seven years means that uh, we're going to be seeing more bull markets, not fewer of them. So what's the strategy here, Ron? We've, we've looked at the perspective of, of the market for oil. What, what do we do if we're taking an investment stance? Is it, I mean, it, you know, playing the stock market is often rolling the dice. Is this, a, is this a roll the dice time? Well, I think that over the long term, and we're talking in years and not in months, because it's going to take time for all of this to play out. But simply, if you buy Canadian oil producers that have a good dividend, so you get paid while you wait. If I'm getting 5% or 6% while I'm waiting for oil prices to go up, uh, I can live with that. You know, examples of the three biggest players in Canada, and you look at their dividend score, Canadian Natural Resources has a yield of 4.5%. Imperial Oil has a yield of 2.7%, and Suncor is yielding 5%. So if we have a recession, and we talked about that on the last show, that there's a good chance that we're going to be heading into recession here before Christmas that uh, could could go into the first half of next year at least, well, that tends to be a perfect time to pick up energy stocks on the cheap. And then what you do is you patiently wait till the cycle turns and then goes up and you take some profits. But if I can get a 5% dividend while I wait and uh, I'm not in a massive hurry to dive in, uh, especially if we have a global recession coming up, I think there's going to be opportunities in this area for investors to make a lot of money. Okay, the oil sector, possibly another bull market just around the corner. 
We're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. If you have a question or a show suggestion, uh, you know, the one we did on banks recently was a question that turned into a show suggestion. So we always appreciate your input. You can reach us directly at our website, letsmakemoney.ca, or through our friends at cfcw.com where the show is hosted. And we will uh, take the time to do the research and put a put a show together. It might take a little time. You have to be patient, just like waiting for stocks to turn around. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you again next week with another edition of Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.